Regardless of how we find ourselves in the world of divorce, the one thing we have complete control over is how we behave from here on out. We have two choices. One is to remain stuck in the stories, the anger and pain. And the other is to take a breath, adjust our sail to the wind, and work harder than ever before to create a new story for our children, for ourselves, and for the world around us. It's your choice, your work, but I'll be in your corner. Welcome to In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. Today, I have the privilege of chatting with Carrie Shuffman and Deborah Venzer with UBS Financial Services Incorporated. Divorce is expensive, and post-divorce life often requires us to reimagine how to live and how to manage our new financial lives. Carrie, head of the Women's Strategic Client segment at UBS in New York City, and Deborah, a certified divorce financial analyst who works closely with clients and their attorneys, providing clarity on the financial issues that arise during and after divorce. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Carly. Thank you, Thank you Carly, for having, for having us. I'm so grateful. I want to read this one, one little piece of information, and then I'm going to hand it over to you. It says here, we are lucky enough to have you both here to explain why women should take control of their wealth to achieve financial well-being. As you mentioned, most women in a relationship abdicate the finances to their significant other. Eight out of 10 women will be solely responsible for their finances at some point. Six out of 10 women who became single wish they had been more involved with their finances during their marriage. Divorcees and widows urge women to get involved. Women and money, it's complicated. Women are only half as likely as men to say that they're highly knowledgeable about investing. It's time to own your worth. And at UBS, we have the tools to help you on the road to financial confidence. Well, I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, what you just read. Those are some of the highlights from our Own Your Worth research, which actually we at UBS have been conducting over the last few years. Um, so since 2017, we've embarked on, on extensive research, speaking with hundreds, actually thousands of women and men uh, here in the U.S. And, and around the world as well, all around this topic of financial decision-making, financial well-being. We've spoken with Many women who have gone through a divorce, uh, women who have been widowed, married women, married men, single women who have not been in a partnership, women from different backgrounds, generations, professions, really to understand this concept of how women approach the major financial decisions in their households, what's possibly holding some women back from participating in making those decisions, and, and really how we can change the dynamic and encourage more women, regardless of where they are in their life journey to take their seat at the financial table and, and participate in the decisions that will help shape their, their future. I'm so excited. And I feel like now more than ever with our political climate, the way it is and all that is going on, especially in this country, how important it is that women feel empowered. Deborah and I were talking before we started about worth and how close that equals empowerment and information. Deborah, how would you say, before we even get into it, how did you get involved in wanting to really focus on this area? So I uh, went for the uh, CDFA, which is the Certified Divorce Financial Analyst 
um, designation because I saw so many family members and friends who were in longtime marriages and all of a sudden uh, found themselves now uh, in a divorce for, you know, whatever reason it was. And they had not only to deal with the emotional impact of the divorce, but they had not uh, taken care of any of the financials. They had always abdicated to their significant other. And I saw the anxiety and the stress that this, you know, layer added on top of the emotional uh, impact of the divorce caused. And I thought that this really is something that we need to uh, start to be proactive in, in helping women, you know, kind of find their, uh, you know, their financial uh, confidence to be able to go forward and working with women who have never, you know, done any of the finances and, you know, sort of bringing them along. It's, it's been incredibly rewarding. And they, it's almost like they sort of bloom and um, they take ownership of this and they are so proud that they can manage their expenses and their finances and and that they have control over this yes and carrie what about you how did you get involved in the women's strategic um client section through through ubs how did you end up in this area yeah so it's a great question and you know i've been at ubs now for almost 10 years um, you know, I started out uh, in a variety of different roles, and in particular, I spent a lot of time on the financial planning side, thinking about holistic wealth management and really addressing the full needs uh, of our clients, um, in particular, looking at, you know, beyond just the investments, so things like retirement planning, long-term care planning, uh, family, you know, and philanthropy uh, considerations as well. And, you know, a big piece of that was around helping families plan for their financial futures and engaging with, you know, clients and their families, whether it's a, hu- a husband and wife or a matriarch of the family, the, you know, millennial children. And, you know, a lot of the things that kept coming up related back to some of these topics that, that Deborah is mentioning in terms of what is on our clients' minds and what's on the minds of, you know, people as they think about their wealth, as they think about the fact that financial well-being is inextricably tied to overall well-being. And so, a few years ago, uh, UBS decided to really focus on um, helping women navigate their financial lives and their financial futures through a dedicated team and really building it out from the ground up. And so I was able to um, take on that role to start helping to build the women's strategic client segment right from from the start and, and have been doing that now over the last three years with an incredible team. Um, at UBS, you know, across a variety of different areas, our research partners, our content partners, um, to be able to provide the resources specific to women around helping them navigate their financial well-being, while also, of course, being incredibly mindful that there is no one-size-fits-all approach to serving women and helping women navigate their financial well-being, right? I mean, we as women make up 51% of the population. It's a little bit silly to call us a segment, and so that's really... (laughs) Uh, foundational to everything that we do is, you know, there is no one size fits all approach. Women are not a niche industry and every single woman is different in terms of what their financial goals are, what they want for themselves, for their loved ones, what keeps them up at night, where they are in their life journey, whether they're, you know, a single millennial starting their career 
or you know, a woman in her 60s who just recently went through divorce or a married woman navigating you know, having three small children at home right now in the, in the pandemic situation right. in her 40s. There's so many different things that are on all of our minds, but what we can do through a lot of the research that we've developed is pinpoint specific trends or statistics and figure out what those mean for specific demographics or populations of women and then how we can help them based on, on our findings. You know what's so interesting about what you were just saying is obviously my listeners are mostly those either about to go through a divorce, going through or, or post, but I have other listeners on here that are just interested in, in the conversations. And what I wish to say to everybody, and I'm sure you can back it up, is if you don't have a handle in your finances and you're in a marriage or a partnership, that should stop. Like I think that a lot of friends of mine, myself included, have found that ourselves shocked at times um, or totally in the dark because we allowed it. And there needs to be a ownership regardless of what kind of situation you're in because your knowledge is power. What are your thoughts behind that? I, I couldn't agree more with you, Carly. I, I think you're exactly right. And you know, our research actually backs backs that up. So it's it's not just my opinion, but it's it's truly rooted in fact. In fact, you know, in the research that we did with hundreds and hundreds of women who had found themselves single due to a life event, so whether divorced or being widowed, we heard from them that they overwhelmingly wished that they had been more involved in the financial decisions while they were part of a couple. And in fact, over half of the women that we spoke to who had found themselves single after a life event said that they found what we call the financial surprises after, after that divorce happened or after the loss the loss of their spouse. So I, I think you're exactly right in terms of the importance of participating in your financial decisions, whether you're married or whether you have now found yourself divorced. You know, I really fundamentally believe that it's never too late to get involved and engaged in your financial life. There's always steps that you can take to help chart your financial journey and help put you on a path, regardless of whether you really are starting, you know, you know, from level zero in terms of your involvement or whether you've previously been involved and now you're obviously charting a course that's different from when, you know, what it looks like when you were, when you were part of a couple. Um, so I think that the research really speaks, speaks to that and, and not only speaks to the importance of being involved, but we were able to glean some incredible advice and wisdom from these women that we spoke to both qualitatively and quantitatively here in the U.S. and around the world. So interestingly enough, among the hundreds and hundreds of widows and divorcees that we spoke to, a full 98% would advise other women, regardless of age, marital status, life situation, to take a more active role in their financial lives. And 97% would advise other women, again, regardless of life situation, to become more financially educated. So those statistics really speak for themselves, That's right? 98%, huge. 97%. Mm -hmm. And you know what else is, so I'm remarried happily. And because of a life event that happened with my husband and I, I decided that I wanted to separate our finances. And I've got to tell you the anxiety and fear that I would always have looking at our numbers, looking at our accounts and our credit cards and everything completely went away when I was able to take control of my own, of all of my own stuff. And what power, right? Like, I, I know that it's mm -hmm. so unsexy to talk about when you're in a, an intimate relationship, but one of the things I'm always reminded of, especially in this area, is it's also a business and we have to protect ourselves and it makes it so, I can't even tell you how many clients I have that tell me anonymously, 
that they've thought about divorce or they've wanted to leave, but they couldn't because of finances. Yeah. And, and I think you're exactly right. And, you know, you mentioned that you are, are remarried. And in fact, we actually spoke with a number of women who had remarried um, after a divorce or after the loss of their, their former spouse. And 80% of those women who had remarried told us that they actually were taking a much more active role in making financial decisions in their new partnership. So clearly there's a learning experience that happens finding yourself in a situation, having to navigate your finances independently, and then possibly entering a new partnership and saying, all right, you know, what would I have done differently? And now is my opportunity to actually do it differently. And even among women who remained single after the life event, we heard from them that as they increasingly made financial decisions on their own, that they felt really good about the, those decisions and their new level of, invo- of involvement, which again, really shows that financial incompetence can increase by even just taking small steps to be more involved. You don't have to be an expert to make these assi- decisions or to focus on your own financial well-being, regardless of how involved you previously were, you know, what level of financial knowledge you think you have or where you are in your life's journey. It's truly never too late. And there's always things that you can do. I'm so excited. What other highlights do either of you have from this research specific to divorce? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned some of the some of the key highlights. I think, you know, one of the most interesting things was, again, that that wish and that regret about the prior level of involvement. Now, that being said, we did hear from a lot of women that they did participate in some of the shorter term financial decisions in their households while they were part of a couple before the divorce. So bill paying, managing the family's expenses, checkbook, things like that. But it was those longer term decisions like retirement planning, long-term care planning, or investing, portfolio management, where we heard that those women said that they really wish they had been more involved. And I think probably most surprisingly is, um, is that statistic I mentioned that, you know, half of women um, who'd been divorced or, or widowed found what we called financial surprises. So whether it was potentially realizing that maybe they had been saving inadequately over many years and that might compromise, you know, their ability to maintain their lifestyle or maybe, you know, uh, their, their former husband had made more conservative or aggressive investment choices that might threaten, you know, retirement plans or, or just, you know, debt or spending that was not known previously. I think, you know, those are some of the things that we, we heard from, from these women. And then another highlight I'd mentioned while not specific to divorce, but I think it's really, really fascinating. And probably one of the biggest ahas from the research we've done over the last few years is that interestingly enough, millennial women in couples were the most likely to say that they were not engaged in these major financial decisions more so than any prior generation. So rather than breaking the status quo, we're finding that millennial women are actually perpetuating it within the context of couples. Do you have any understanding as why I would never, if you would have asked me, I would have never guessed that. Yeah, I think it's pretty surprising to, to everyone when, when we talk about that. And, you know, um, I think there's a number of different reasons. And these actually cut across for, for many of the women uh, we talked to who said they weren't involved, not just millennials, but it certainly applies to millennials as well. You know, this concept of traditional gender roles still really runs very deep in this country. Um, Many of the women that we spoke to in couples, in traditional heterosexual couples, said that they wanted their male spouse or partner to provide a sense of financial security. And the men that we spoke to, in turn, said that they wanted to be able to do that. Um, You know, I think we're all so incredibly busy. You know, the pandemic has obviously even emphasized that even more. There's just so much time in a day. And so a lot of women told us, look, I just can't add another thing to my plate. And, you know, if he is handling it again, within the context of a heterosexual couple, like let him just handle it. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't have time. 
Um, and then most importantly on the millennial thing, I think, you know, we as human beings tend to repeat what we see yes. growing up. It's very hard to break away from, from that. And so for a lot of millennials who grew up with baby boomer parents, if they fell into more traditional gender roles, as was more of the norm, you know, at that time, they're much more likely to repeat that now in their own households, you know, these years later, um, because that's what they're used to. And, you know, they have that image of this is what, you know, my parents did, or this is what my mom did, and that's what I'm going to do. And so it's much harder to break away from that. Um, De- Deborah, I'm sure you have some thoughts on that, too, in, in your Deborah, own plan before conversation. You get there, I just want to say one thing, and then I want Deborah to talk. I was in, it's so interesting about the financial security and the gender roles. Because what I'm finding in the divorces I speak with, and I speak with both genders, there's so much pressure specifically on the male who are, when you have a relationship that's in those typical gender roles, to be this financially stable support security system. And then we've got also the same pressure on that same man to also do way more of the, in the past, gender roles that were more female, like childcare and all of that. And then everyone needs to be intimate and and then both parents are working and we also need to play and we need to monitor their digital and we need to have a sex life. And when you look at it all, no one human can do all of these things. And so it really doesn't even make sense why we are still putting it on one person versus the other Mm -hmm. instead of looking at it as a partnership, because it really is a partnership when you're raising children that you both need to be part of that decision because when you get, if you end up at the place of divorce and you're in the legal process, which is so financially overwhelming and stressful, if the man typically is the one who's dealing with all the finances and the woman doesn't know what's going on, that's the worst time of her whole life right there to just keep letting it happen. So this is when I stop and I say, you need to go speak to someone like you because what I did in my divorce was I just wanted it to be over because it was so painful and I made really bad financial decisions. And that's why I wanted you guys to talk. So I want to hear what Deborah has to say. And and that's a great point that you just brought up, Carly, because we see that a lot during in the middle of the divorce because of the emotional impact. Oftentimes it's let's just get this done. Um, and my role as a certified divorce financial analyst is to assist clients to understand how the financial decisions they make during the divorce will impact their financial future for the long term. Um, you know, in that moment, you're in that in that moment, but it, it's it's our job, you know, to help you see the long term picture and what what decisions you're making today, and also help manage the your expectations of the financial future that's ahead by presenting different scenarios and talking through the clients, you know, expenses and and their goals and whatnot. And um, we have a, a process at UBS uh, that we do for all our clients. And it really begins with asking a series of questions. You know, we, we sit down with, with our clients and we ask them, you know, what do you want to accomplish in your life? Who are the people who matter most to you? And what do you want your legacy to be? And what are your main concerns? And how do you plan to achieve your life's vision? And together, we work to define a plan or a framework. Uh, at UBS, we call it our Wealthway Strategy. And it really Wait, can defines- Can I just stop you for a second? Those questions sure. are incredible. Do you give them the homework before they come in? Because I, I feel like all of them need so much time to consider. 
Yes. Okay. And they're so important, these yes. questions. And that's why we start with the questions, because we really find out what your goals are, what you want to accomplish, what it is you're, you're trying to do in your life, and really who, who are the people that matter to you. So these are, you know, five really good questions that we start with. And, um, and then, you know, from there, like I said, we, we start to build a plan. Okay, uh, for, you know, for your future. And it's a framework that really divides your wealth into three dimensions, a liquidity component. So many women that I begin to work with, the first thing they say is, how am I going to pay my bills? You know, am I going to be able, am I going to be a bad lady? How am I going to do this? And so this strategy helps, you know, define a liquidity dimension for emergency savings. And, And oftentimes that starts with just sitting down and looking at what your new spend is going to be now in your new life of independence. And so many women have never even really had to consider that. Um, And so it's, you know, for them, it's the first time that they have sat down and and really looked at this. And and that's very empowering. Um, And then the second dimension is longevity, and that's to improve your lifestyle. And that would be all of the investable accounts. And during a divorce, there's oftentimes division of, you know, uh, retirement accounts and whatnot that, um, you know, sort of dividing the pie. So then it's taking care of, of those assets. And then the third dimension is legacy. And that's to improve the lives of others, whether it's their family members or philanthropic causes that are near and dear to their heart. So that's how, how we, uh, you know, we work with our clients. That's our process um, in not only defining a spending plan, but we also define a savings plan because it's important you know, to the to the liquidity dimension to have an emergency savings and to, you know, to be able to, uh, you know, save even if it's just a little bit every month, but to, to be able to get that discipline and habit down uh, is also very empowering. Yeah, and it's important to acknowledge we, we had discussed before we started recording about the ideal path for a newly divorcee, um, about managing finances on a tighter budget. It's important to acknowledge that unless you're in like a situation where one or both of you were millionaires, most of the time we're going to be dealing with changing the way that we're living because now you're having two homes and finances are split and it's not like the money doubles. So is it reasonable for your clients to understand that their financial life will be looking different? Yes. And that's part of our job is to manage those expectations. Because as you said, you know, you're, you're living one life and you think, okay, well, the divorce is going to come and it's still going to pretty much be the same, but it, it, you know, typically is not because you're dividing what you have. Um, so it's, you know, sort of framing that. And, and that's what the long-term um, perspective helps do too. So, you know, let's take a look at what, what, your life's going to look like now in your new world of independence. So it's very important to take that perspective. So is it possible you mentioned to save when you're trying to make ends meet? Can you give us an idea, like a practical idea of how we can do that? And that is sitting down and looking at where the spend is, right? And seeing where we can cut corners so that even if it's a small amount, but if you know you're saving, it just, it's it's very empowering for you to know that you're you're managing and you're living within your means. Oftentimes, you know, we find that well, you know, you're going out five nights a week. Well, maybe you go out three nights a week, and then you can save a couple of those, 
nights. And, and I've had clients come back to me and say, you know, I'm reading more, I'm working out, this is really working out great for me. You know, I just, uh, I never realized that I could do this. And, and, and that helps in all different aspects, you know, to, to kind of keep you on, on task and keep you, you know, developing good habits financially. Right. Will you, um, will either Carrie or Deborah speak to divorce financial planning? Is that basically what we just went over? That's when you sit down, you go over those three? Uh, and it, it's a little bit more. There's actually three stages of the wealth planning throughout the divorce process. Um, there's before the divorce. Okay. Uh, at, at that time, you know, you want to gather and assess all your financial assets and liabilities. It's often uh, good to run a credit check and uh, mm-hmm. see what's out there in joint debts and single debts. As to Carrie's point, you know, we find that there are often hidden surprises that come up. Carrie, um, I like good. that you call them surprises. It's a very nice euphemism. It's normally like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Like I didn't know that we <laughs> so it's it's a love I feel like there should be like confetti with that, but it's usually like shocking. Right, right. And and it, it happens more often than you than you would think. So um you know and just kind of going over before the divorce, um your assets, any insurance policies, even 529 plans uh, for college for the children. And then during the divorce, that's the time that we sit down and try to develop this spending and savings plan to start to get you to own your worth and take control of your finances. And we work together to uh, develop this Wealthway strategy. And it's all based off your personal and financial goals. And then after the divorce, that's when it's a good time to engage an estate planning uh, attorney to update your will, your powers of attorney, your health care proxies. And and at that point, you can review beneficiary designations on your insurance insurance policies, your retirement accounts, and other assets. And and then we would start to implement a long-term investment strategy. So it really is a... It's about the, you know, it's, we call it planning. It's not, you know, static, it's ongoing, right? Because life is always changing. So it's, yeah. we're constantly, you know, adapting with the you planning. You mentioned owning your worth, and I want both of you to, to speak to what that means. Carrie, you want to start? Sure. Yeah. I mean, so own your worth is sort of the framework and the platform under which we've, you know, launched and published all of this research that I've mentioned uh, before, but really what it means is it's all about, you know, our worth as individuals is so many things are tied up in that, right? And and a big piece of how we feel is around our well-being. And I, I talked earlier about this concept of financial well-being being so inextricably linked with, with overall well-being. And so when we say own your worth, it's around being involved in the decisions and the pieces of your life's journey that will have, you know, major impact throughout the course of your life, you know, whether that's being involved in financial planning to achieve the goals that you have for yourself or being involved in your finances to help, you know, settle and and allay some of the concerns that keep you up at night. So when we talk about owning your worth, again, it's about being engaged and involved in those financial decisions that shape your future. And we're not saying you have to be an expert. And, And, you know, to your point before around just how we all have so much on our plates, 
delegating is is okay, but when it's abdicating or deferring completely, that's mm-hmm. where you know we hear from so many people that they run into potential problems because life does throw us unexpected curveballs all of the time. I mean, look at the situation that we're in right now. Could any right. of us have ever predicted we'd be on month eight of a global pandemic? I mean, it's it's truly crazy, and so I think a lot of it is about figuring out, all right, I can do this or this and this, and these are the things that I I can't do or I don't have time to do or I'm not interested in, but then still being engaged and aware of what those decisions are when you delegate either to, you know, a partner or spouse or to a financial expert like Deborah, you know, to still be aware of those decisions and have some influence over them, but you don't have to be doing all of them all of the time. There's just not enough time in the day for all of us to do everything, but it's important to be engaged and aware. Yeah. And you know what else? Based on what you were saying, the gift I see in everything that's going on in the pandemic, in the unexpected curveballs that we all face, is that we get to stop. And it's I almost think of it like in meditation when the bowl is hit, you know, the singing bowl. It's like a wake up, like wake up. And we get to reevaluate and revamp and say what's working, what's not working, whether we're going through a divorce or a loss of a loved one or a loss of a job we are all using pencils now instead of pens. And my son was just asking me when we were on a walk earlier, if he's going to get to play soccer in the spring. And I said, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know anything anymore. We don't have any more plans because we just don't know. And so we kind of get to go back to the basics and figure out what do we need to do to feel secure? And this is such a great opportunity to stop and say, and take away like the shame about it. I feel like, I wonder if a lot of your clients come to you like ashamed that they don't have this information. I I do find, you know, some women will whisper to me that, you know, trying to ask questions. I said, don't, you know, say, you can say the question. And they said, well, I, I feel like I don't really know about this. And I said, that's fine. And And I tell them the results of our you know, survey and our findings with our own your worth. And when I tell them that majority of the women do abdicate, I mean, it, 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 it makes them, you know, relax a little bit because I think they don't realize that this is sort of the norm out there right now. And so, you know, we're, what we're trying to do at UBS is bring awareness to that and, and help women, you know, take the steps. And we have tools at UBS, uh, financial, um, you know, sort of tutorials that we have online that can help, you know, with just taking those first steps. And as we said, you don't have to know it all, but just starting to, you know, join the conversation can become very empowering. So how do you empower your clients to own their worth? So it starts with a little bit of um, education. Mm-hmm. And as I just mentioned, we have a financial participation site at www.ubs.com. Uh, and it was designed, thank you, Carrie Shuffman and the women's mm-hmm. segment at UBS. And uh, I direct them, women to go there first. And you can kind of find your money style. There's these uh, very nice interactive modules that you can take uh, to just start, you know, getting you along the way uh, on the path of, um, you know, financial confidence. We also have some uh, education modules that clients have used and shared with their children uh, because to this point that, you know, we sort of learned from our mothers. And so if we can start to empower our, our children to take on this financial 
confidence at, a, at an early age, that will just help, you know, with breaking the cycle. And so we also, you know, we've partnered with EverFi and have a number of um, financial education tutorials from grade school, high school, for millennials and adults that we share with clients. And um, they've been, you know, very, very helpful. I'm so excited. I have one last question for both of you, and then I promise to let you go. What should we all be paying attention to if we are combining finances in a relationship, either mostly post-divorce? So let's say we want to get in a new relationship and it's serious. What should we be paying attention to? Should we keep them separate? If we want to get them together, what do we need to know? Well, I think that the first thing you need to decide and and to your point, Carly, as you did, um, you know, in your relationship, if you do want to combine finances or not. Um, And if you do, I think it's very important that you share the decisions on the finances equally um, and you ask for full transparency from your partner and you sit down and you take stock of the whole picture. there's a benefit of working together on on finances and um you know and that benefit clearly is if one something were to happen to either one the other one then is you know fully knowledgeable of where they stand and you know you're not in this uh situation that we've been speaking about earlier so um but i think that when you're combining finances in a relationship you first have to uh define if that's, you know, if that's what you want to do. And if it is, you both have to be very transparent about what you have and and you have to work together. Carrie, what about you? Yeah, I would, I would absolutely agree with everything Deborah said. I think, you know, a lot of it just comes down to having those conversations and look, it's like you said before, money can be a really hard thing for people to talk about. Um, it's definitely one of those last taboos um, around, you know, what people are comfortable talking about, what you're told, you know, is not proper to talk about. But we have to break down that taboo if we want to get to a place where we can have open conversations that also lead to, you know, better situations for all of us uh, in terms of talking more openly. So ask those tough questions. You know, what are your thoughts on, you know, what are you thinking about in terms of your savings? Do you have debt that I may not know about? Right. Um, You know, those are the types of questions you need to ask, you know, everything from, you know, do you have, you know, if something happens to you, you know, do you have a will? Do you have insurance? You know, all of those things are really important to understand, you know, as you're starting to, you know, go through that process of, you know, either deciding to merge your finances or keep them separate or whatever it is, but you can't be afraid to have those conversations with, with your partner. Um, you know, if it's, if it's difficult to have them just, you know, the two of you bring in a professional like Deborah who can help sort of, you know, say, all right, let's look at everything big picture. You know, these are the things that I think you should address from, you know, my point of expertise, you know, given that this is what I do as a career and, you know, from all of the experiences that I've had working with, you know, couples like you. Um, so again, having those conversations and, and just not being afraid to, to dive in and, you know, setting the designated time, because I think it's so easy to kind of procrastinate those types of conversations. And, you know, if everything's going great, and, you know, you're in this really happy new relationship to kind of, you know, raise your hand and say, let's have a conversation about money it can be really hard, but it's, it's really, really important to do that. And, you know, even in our research, interestingly, around the world, among couples who share in the financial decision making and financial engagement, they report much higher satisfaction in achieving their financial goals 
more confidence in their financial situation. And they also say that they argue less about money. So, you know, the, the research really supports the importance of having these open conversations as well. Right. I mean, I have, I have friends who are in marriages, they're staying in their marriage and they have not gotten a divorce, so they don't have to look the way I've had to look. And when I ask them like, oh my God, do you feel so nervous every time you open up your credit card statement? And they say they don't. And they said, what do you mean you don't feel nervous? They said they, they don't open up their credit card statement. And I said, what are you talking about? And they literally have no idea what they're spending, what they owe, what they have. And I just want to be like, wake up. Like, you can't live like this. It's so scary because, like you said, life throws you curveballs. Not only just that your marriage could end, that, that's not really just it. It's life. You know, none of us, mm-hmm. like you said, plan on this. So, yeah, we just don't know. And it's not just, you know, the worst case scenario, like, a you know, an unexpected death or, or illness or, or, you know, going through divorce. It's also planning for those joyous occasions, too. I mean, maybe you are happily married and you have two children and all of a sudden you find out you have a third child on the way. And, you know, how are you going to maintain the lifestyle and be able to give three children what you were planning to be able to give to two? That involves financial decisions. Right. Um, so there's so many things that money ties back to. Um that, that ultimately impacts so much of our lives. I'm so excited to have connected with you. Will you please tell our listeners how they can connect with you? Because I'm going to include the UBS.com to find your money style in the episode notes. How do they get in touch with you? Okay, so I'm local here um, in uh, our office. Our UBS office is in Pepper Pike on Chagrin Boulevard, just by Lander Circle. Um, I can give you my phone is 216 nine one zero one zero zero nine i'm gonna edit that out so the entire role doesn't call you (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) all right is there Um, an email that they can reach you at sure i'll give the email okay so my email is deborah d-e-b-o-r-a dot venzor v-e-n-z-o-r at u-b-s dot com perfect i will include that and carrie how do we get in touch with you Yes. So um, I would advise everyone to connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, anyone who's listening, and then to check out all of the resources that both Deborah and I have referred to, which are available at UBS.com forward slash women. Again, that's UBS.com slash women. Very easy to remember. And then the educational site that Deborah referenced with the the quiz and interactive modules, that's available at UBS.com forward slash my money move, all one word. So UBS.com slash my money move. I will include all of these. I am so grateful for your time and your expertise. And I mean, how clear is it? 98% of women advise other women to take a more active role in their financial lives. That's pretty intense right there. That's just heavy, right? I'd like to leave that there. Thank you guys so much for your time. Thank you, Carly. Thank you, Carly, for having us. I'm really grateful. For any listeners who would like to go deeper into my story, Check out my memoir, Seconds and Inches, available in paperback, audio, or digital. Regardless of how we find ourselves in the world of divorce, the one thing we have complete control over is how we behave from here on out. We have two choices. One is to remain stuck in the stories, the anger and pain. And the other is to take a breath, adjust our sail to the wind, 
and work harder than ever before to create a new story for our children, for ourselves, and for the world around us. It's your choice, your work, but I'll be in your corner. Welcome to In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. On Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and IndieBound. Remember, we get to write this next chapter for our kids, for ourselves, and for the world around us. Have a great day.